Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. I am Kyle Chittock, your host and the owner of Bolton E-Bikes. And I love getting people on the show from other bicycle companies. So today I've got an awesome guest. We have talked via chat and online uh, for years, and we'll get into that in a moment. But today, if you want to hear all about bicycles with massive, giant, 36-inch wheels, and he can tell you all about why, then stick around. I have David, the owner, founder of Dirty Sixer Bikes on the line. Once again, this is the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. Well, thank you, David, for being on the podcast today. This is, uh, I think this is exciting for me. Yeah, thank you, Kai, for uh, giving me the chance to uh, tell a little bit more about the 36 bikes and uh, the big 36-inch wheels. Awesome. So I know there's a, there's a lot we could go into about tires and wheels and why you're building these bikes and, and kind of the niche you've gotten into. But I think first, we just have to clear up, like, what is Dirty Sixer Bikes? Where'd you come up with the name? And why 36-inch wheels? <laughs> we have to get that out right out the front. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try to make a long story short. Um, <laughs> okay. I know that could be difficult. Since, well, let's say that I started riding bikes when I was a teenager and I was already too tall for the rest of the bikes. So I've been crashing a lot on regular bikes. And one day I got a really bad crash on a regular bicycle that was actually custom made for tall people we're using regular wheels. And you're saying tall, we can't obviously see you. How tall are you? I think I should ask that question. Oh, yes. Yeah, sure. I'm 6'6", six, six, so I'm I'm just 6'6", okay. six, six, I should say. Just 6'6". Uh, because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And so regular bikes were just like made as an aftershock for tall riders, like having the frame taller, but not longer in the wheelbase. And I've been uh, riding those bikes and crashing. And one day I finally broke a couple of bones. And that day I decided that I will make my own bikes and I will design something that will fit us tall people better or be safer. Uh, you could ride no hands. You could bomb down the streets and have none of the issues uh, that the regular 29er or 700C bikes had when they were designed by regular designers. And by regular designers, I mean someone that is not aware of all of the challenges and all of the issues that being a, a tall rider has in terms of effects on the geometry and on weight distribution and all that. So that's basically the idea behind the Dirty Sixer. It's making a bike that is proportionate, that is longer, has a longer wheelbase, and everything is beefed up on the bike. It's Everything is overbuilt because even though I'm 6'6", I'm pretty light, I'm around 200 to 20 pounds, but most of my customers are north of that. Some customers are around 4 or 50 pounds. And so you can definitely see where all of the regular bikes that are made are made for people maximum what 5'11", uh, maybe 200 pounds. So we're really outside of the regular spectrum. Yeah, definitely. Of what regular companies are making. So that's basically the idea. Breaking some bones and deciding to make my own uh, bikes uh, adapted to my height and to the riding qualities that I like. Simply like something stable. 
that tracks pretty well, even if you're bombing down the, the streets or rolling over potholes and stuff like that. And the name, of course, 36, <laughs> because 36 and wheels. A friend of mine who's a journalist actually introduced me to that wheel size that I didn't know. And we're back to the year 2010, maybe 2011. Uh, that's when I discovered the 36-inch wheels. And being French, I have an accent, and I've been playing with the word 36er, and it became 36er, <laughs> uh, just as a joke. And uh, I decided to keep that as the name of the company because, I mean, it's catchy. People have a double take on that. They just wonder if that is really about bikes or something adult-related. But, uh, yeah, we're talking about tall adults or tall teenagers that are interested in uh, riding the bike that is for once designed and fabricated uh, really for us people that are generally around 6'4", 6'6". That's where uh, most of my customers are coming from. Actually, the average, uh, I just realized that the average customer for Dirty Sixer is 6'10". So that's, uh, that's okay. definitely outside of the norm. Oh, of yeah, the definitely. Excel, Excel or double Excel that you can find in store or from other uh, bicycle companies making regular wheel size again, because the wheel size is definitely a very important aspect in the 36er bikes. Even though I did some prototyping with 32 inches wheels, uh, they came out a few years ago, but uh, we're going to stick with 36. That's, uh, that's where we're going. Now, you mentioned that a friend turned you on to the 36-inch wheels. So those already existed and were being used for something else? Absolutely. So I didn't invent anything in terms of uh, wheel size. Uh, so the 36 and, uh, to, uh, to another extent, the 32 inches wheels existed before I started to make bikes, which for the 36-inch wheels, I do believe they've been around for more than 20 years. I mean, it's been a couple of years that I'm saying 20 years, and so now it might be 25 <laughs> or, <laughs> uh-huh. or a little bit more than 25 years. It's, it's just simply coming from unicycle. The unicyclists, I do believe that they were looking at a taller wheel because without any gearing back in the days, they didn't have any geared hub. They were compatible with the, with the cranks they had on their unicycle. So if you wanted to ride faster, for a longer distance, you had to increase your uh, wheel diameter. So um, Unicyclist came up with this 36-inch wheel. There have been a couple of bikes that were made, some cruisers. There are a lot of custom builders that did play with this wheel size, making stuff for regular people, regular-sized people. But I do believe that the 36er was the very first bike that was built to be proportionate using the 36-inch wheels as a scaled-up bike in any sense and any part uh, you can imagine. So it's like if you play with Photoshop, you take a regular 29-inch wheels in size L or medium, I don't know, with someone 5'8 next to it, and you just play in Photoshop and you just expand that image and uh, everything in proportions until you reach someone that is comparable to a size, uh, to a height of, 68696010 six, let's say 6.10 because it's the average dirty sixer customer then you you'll have a proportionate bike that also went through the this algorithm in photoshop 
So you will have sort of thickened wheels, you'll have bigger rotors, you'll have longer pedals, longer cranks, bigger pedals, bigger grips. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is, were there any particular items besides the wheels and tires that were a challenge to get oversized? Not really. Actually, I would say that the timing was really right for me to come up with those bikes because of the fat bikes. And here I'm not, I'm not revealing any secrets, but uh, from the <laughs> beginning, I've been using fat bike hubs because when you have a taller wheel, you need a wider triangulation. So, so yeah, thanks to the bike industry and the fat bike parts that were commonly available, it was uh, one thing that I wanted to do is to have like the most reliable and the most durable and the strongest wheel uh, you can uh, build on 36 inch wheel. So for people that compare things that are not comparable, they're like, no, 36 inch wheels are taller, they're weaker. No, they're not because we're using more spokes. The gauge of the spokes are thicker. The hubs are wider. So the flange to flange is wider using the fat bike. Even getting rear hubs from roll-off the German internal gear manufacturer, we were the ones pushing roll-off to make a fat bike hub so we could have a wider rear hub and something like really strong and sturdy for uh, the most... Yes, we phrase that. <laughs> so I can thank you when we put a roll-off hub into one of our fat bikes then <laughs> as helping push that process along. Sure. I mean, at 36 er we were one of the other, I mean, I wasn't the, the only one to push that because Roloff would have not listened to me. <laughs> that was just <laughs> me asking for, for a wider Roloff hub. But I guess we were enough uh, people to ask for a wider Roloff hub. And uh, they came up with that wider shell that is uh, compatible with 170 and 190 uh, millimeter dropouts for fat bikes and that is the hub of uh, my first choice of drivetrain that is uh, extremely reliable not only in terms of internals and all of the mechanism inside but also it makes the strongest wheel possible and that is a perfect thing for uh, my heaviest uh, customer now you mentioned on the on the weight up to like 400 450 pounds which is interesting because i get Actually, this is a fairly common question, probably, I don't know, once every week or every two weeks. I probably have somebody email in and ask, hey, I'm above this certain weight range. Do you have any bikes that would work for me? And right now, honestly, I, I don't have a good fit for them. Now, if they're tall enough, it sounds like what you have would definitely work because <laughs> they sound like they're extremely sturdy, very, very strong bikes. Yeah, absolutely. And and to jump on that aspect of it is the 36er from the beginning was really dedicated to bring the unique solution for us tall and tall and sometimes heavier than the, the average. But the the new line of 36er coming out very soon, I hope, uh, is going to be actually available for riders that are starting 5'8 or 5'9". And that's going to be a real game changer for a lot of people that might be also overweight, but also looking for something very special, very different, something that is unique, something that everybody will recognize in the street. I mean, every time I ride, and it's it's pretty funny, I, I hear behind me people yelling, hey, this is Shaq's bike. So <laughs> as soon as somebody sees a 36-inch wheel bike, even if they cannot, even if it's not a 36er, They'll say, hey, that's Shark's bike or it's a 36er. So 
there is really a visual aspect to those big bikes when they are really well-made and, and strong enough for heavier riders. It's good that now we're going to be able to provide those bikes for riders starting 5'8", and of course, up to 7 foot 6, even if our tallest customer is Mark Eaton at 7 foot 4, we still have the 5XL frame size that is going to be available for anyone, even if you have a 7 foot 6 friend, uh, we have a bike for him. Yeah, that's awesome. And for those listening, I feel like uh, David's being modest because he has made some bikes for some pretty notable people, I think. Um, <laughs> in in the NBA uh, sphere, if you will. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, I was mentioning Mark Eaton because he's a fantastic customer. He's a fantastic person, of course, to start with, and of course, a fantastic uh, NBA retired NBA player that has been uh, the center of the Utah Jazz team uh, all of his career, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, Mark Eaton discovered. The 36er bikes because I was affiliated with the Retired NBA Player Association. So I've been doing those um, events for a couple of years. Uh, I was actually introduced to those events by Bill Walton, who's another okay. cyclist, pretty well known uh, in the cycling industry as somehow the benchmark for the, <laughs> the tallest VIP cyclist we have in the U.S. So yeah, that was a pretty cool introduction. Bill Walton led me to meet Dale Brown, Coach Brown from LSU, who was the coach uh, that discovered Shaquille O'Neal. Dale Brown introduced me to Shaq. Shaq introduced me to a lot of other people. Mark Eaton introduced me to Rudy Gobert, another Frenchman, another, the new uh, center for the Utah Jazz. I mean, if you follow a little bit the NBA, I don't have to introduce you to uh, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert gets a bunch of bikes from me to all of his teammates. Uh, their teammates introduced my bikes to the Warriors, to the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, to the San Antonio Spurs. So I'm that all of those NBA players ended up calling me and asking for a bike. And, um, yeah, you can see, uh, you can see a couple of those, uh, big guys when they are not bowling, they are, uh, rolling on the, uh, on the 36er. Well, that's great. I love hearing about that. Uh, I did play basketball for quite a few years. My brother was really big into basketball, huge, uh, you know, Utah Jazz fan and uh, Chicago Bulls and all of that. And so we used to pay a lot of attention to all these names and guys you're talking about that are, you know, obviously long retired now, but growing up as kids, we were watching them play basketball on TV. So it's cool to see those guys out on, on bicycles that you've built. Oh, yeah. Trust me. And, I, you know, I'm from France and I've been playing basketball really badly because I'm not good. <laughs> but <laughs> I've been playing basketball. And uh, and honestly, I, I would have never thought that uh, making bicycles will be my ticket to meet Shaquille O'Neal, for example, who is a fantastic, phenomenal. <laughs> right. Who would have thought that? Yeah. And it was it was really nice. Actually, uh, the day I delivered the first bike, I mean, he has two now. But the first day, the first time I delivered Shaq's bike in Atlanta, in the in the Turner Studios, uh, they were shooting something for the TNT, I believe. I brought the bike into a weight room and we're waiting for him. And he shows up and he's barely saying hi because he's just like flabbergasted by the bike. He's like a kid in front of the of the Christmas tree and is is literally telling me, I have been I've seen stuff done custom for me, but nothing like that. And he, he jumped on the bike and started to ride in the hallways of the 
of the Turner Studios, and he left for like five, ten big minutes where I was, I was actually fully frightened because I didn't have the time to explain him for the brakes, explain him how to shift gears or whatever. And, and his bike has really big brakes, and I was really afraid that he will grab a handful of brakes. And um, but no, he showed that like he came back maybe uh, five minutes after with a big smile, and he was like, "Wow, this is fantastic! This is the best." thing I've ever had uh, made for me. And uh, we spent a couple of, uh, maybe an hour talking about bikes. And he's, he's, a, he's a genuine, really nice person, really interested, really curious about everything. And this is really a, a pleasure to spend time with Shaq. So yeah, that's, I feel I feel really lucky as a small French guy that used to watch uh, Shaq on TV uh, when I was a teenager to finally uh, get to meet him and, and make uh, two of his bikes. A small six foot six French guy, but standing next to Shaq, everybody's <laughs> small. So I, I'll accept that. <laughs> oh boy. Yes. <laughs> you feel small next to him. Actually, I have a picture somewhere of me standing in between Mark Eaton, seven, four and Rudy Gobert, uh, who's what? Seven, two, I think. Yeah. And, and I love to show that picture to my mom because she was always thinking that uh, I was the tallest kid in France, uh, which was not even uh, back in the day. And that wasn't even true, but it was good for her to see that her son is not that tall, finally. <laughs> That's funny. That's great. I'm curious. I'm going to ask before we move on to something else, because you mentioned brakes. What, what kind of brakes are you putting on a bike like this? Oh, my brakes of choice is the Magura. I've had a tremendous, fantastic relationship with the guys at Magura uh, in the U.S. And to me, they are really the best brakes that I could put on the on those bikes. So we've been using the MT5 front and back. So it's uh, four pistons, calipers, hydraulic lines, of course, with 200 millimeter rotors that are thicker than the usual Shimano or Strab or whatever other brands you might use. So, of course, there's a weight penalty. But you know what? When you're dealing with big and tall guys, you want the best brakes possible. And even if that, that comes with a little bit, a couple of grams oh, yeah. more in the rotation mass or even, you know, in the calipers, you know, that is not a big deal. We are really into uh, safety, reliability. And yes, even if that is a few grams more. And, you know, sometimes I have uh, customers calling me and or emailing me asking me, hey, how much do your bike weigh? And I try to explain that uh, the bike, the weight of the bike is just a certain and very small percentage of the total mass of the rider mm -hmm. and the bike. And we have to make things that are extremely sturdy, again, overbuilt and over-engineered. And I prefer sleeping well every night, knowing <laughs> that those bikes are absolutely safe and nothing is going to break and nothing is uh, made like halfway uh, into something like, oh, man, let's put that a little cheaper. No, I prefer going for the expensive parts, the most durable, reliable, the strongest parts uh, that we can uh, find. And uh, sorry if it's going to be... 1500 grams more. Sorry, I stick in metric now, but that's okay. Correct me uh, in uh, in pounds or uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, it, it, I prefer my customers to be safe for the long years of uh, usage of their 36er 
and sometimes, you know, thinking that, oh, I wish this bike was lighter, but we're working on it. And uh, for the new lines, uh, for the new lineup of the Recession Bikes, there's going to be some uh, some new solutions uh, that uh, will make the bikes a little lighter, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a different. <laughs> well, good. Looking forward to that. Now, I have to ask this question because obviously Bolton e-bikes is all about e-bikes. And, and some people, thankfully, have probably been listening to this point and they're like, well, there's nothing about e-bikes here. But you have done some e-bikes in the past. So what have you done or what are your plans going forward in relation to putting some pedal assist or motors on some of these models? Of course, that is something I've been working on. I shouldn't say for how long I've been working on that <laughs> since the new line is going to have a fully integrated electric assist version. So that is really the main thing I've been working on because I'm totally, absolutely convinced by electric bikes, even though I don't necessarily need an electric bike and who actually need a Porsche 911. So <laughs> no, we don't need a Hummer. We don't need a Porsche. We don't need a Ferrari, but but we want them and they're fun. <laughs> so that's that's the point. They're fun. It is really where I believe the bike industry is going. And this is no secret. Now that we are long into this pandemic and everybody realized that riding a bike was cool, I was good to uh, stay in shape. And uh, more people are interested in riding a bike. And the electric assist uh, version is going to be a fantastic way to discover or rediscover bike riding without all of the efforts or the huge sweating and uh, discouragement that comes when you go back to biking and you realize that you're out of shape. So electric bikes is going to be extremely helpful for a portion of the customers that are coming back to riding and they don't want to suffer too much at the beginning. And it's going to be just like bringing them slowly or gently into riding a bicycle again, because with the electric assist, then they're not going to have to suffer. And I uh, even, you know, as a French, I'm not a, I'm not into Tour de France. I'm not into suffering on a bike. I'm really like Grant Peterson. I do believe that you should ride your bikes with whatever shoes you have, Birkenstock, Adidas uh, sneakers or whatever. You don't need specific uh, shoes or clip-on shoes. I don't even know. Automatic shoes, yeah. You don't need a special clothing. You don't need to have, you don't need to be an advertising banner on a bike to ride. Just ride with your plain clothes, normal shoes. And uh, that's how more people are going to get into uh, riding bikes. It's just to forget about this racing stuff and suffering on the bike and having the lightest and most expensive bike with the entire kit, t-shirt, uh, shorts and shoes and, and whatnot and, and computer and, and Strava. I'm not into this kind of thing. I want just like regular people. Hey, you want a bike? Yeah. You haven't been riding for a while. Just get an electric bike. It might be a little more expensive than a regular bike, but you're going to love it. You're going to actually want to get on your bike every day instead of suffering on it and then putting it away and, and looking at it for weeks and not really wanting to, to get a beating again. That's really where the electric bikes are fantastic for. 
Good, good. And I'm curious, uh, this is kind of on subject, because I find that for me, most of the people buying electric bikes are not cyclists, and they're not riding a bike. And maybe they haven't even ridden a bike in the last 10, 20 years, because it just wasn't fun anymore. With the people that you've been selling these taller bikes to, and I know that's changing, so you'll have some smaller (laughs) sort of options. But were you finding that was a lot of the case with those customers as well, is that they outgrew their bikes and they just weren't fun to ride anymore, and so they just weren't riding? Oh, absolutely. There is a very small proportion of my customers that have been buying those custom bikes. And actually, it's a sad story in a way because they've been paying eight, nine, or ten grand to get those uh, fabulous craftsmen bicycles made by very famous builder titanium bikes whatever carbon fiber wheels and all the shebang you can imagine so extremely expensive custom bikes and they are still suffering on the bike they are telling me my back hurts my butt hurts my neck hurts my wrist hurts i'm not having fun with this bike and actually every time i go too fast on the downhill I feel the bike that is uncontrollable, and I think the brakes are weak. I've had a couple of customers that were actual cyclists, and they were 6'10", 7'2", and they had those custom bikes made for them. And it didn't help because it wasn't really ergonomic. It wasn't really comfortable. It wasn't really safe for them. And they were really happy to discover their sixer. And like I say, the philosophy that for me, the 36er, I never met Grant Peterson, even though I lived in San Francisco for many years. But this is really the Rivendell bikes are really where I was looking at uh, in terms of uh, inspiration when I was doing my, my bikes, even though the 36er look like a, a surly character monkey on steroids, <laughs> but uh, they don't look like Rivendells, that's for sure. They don't look like a, a karate monkey either, but this is where I'm. I'm in between that. And again, as a French, and I do not support the Tour de France, and we're not going there because if we're talking about doping, that's, that's going to go down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> that's another, another topic. We'll get our boost of speed from the, from the e-bike motor. Yeah, actually, they had that way before we, uh, we discovered that. But that's, again, another topic. Different topic, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not going to get in trouble yet. Uh, but yeah, this is the customers that had a bike before, a custom bike made on 700C wheels, and they were not happy with it. Then there's a huge part of my customers that are actually tall people like me, outgrew the XL or double XL sizes, uh, bicycles that existed when they were maybe 13, 15 years old, and they stopped riding because they didn't feel safe on the bike. They were like, okay, this is not a sport that is for me because the bikes, the gear is not adapted for me. So I have a lot indeed. I have a huge majority of customers that are starting again riding. And they, of course, they need a little bit of instruction. And that's why I always ship my bikes to bike store. I do not want my customers to be assembling the bikes, of course. So I really uh, rely on bike shop to be able to assemble the bike and then to give a little bit of instruction uh, so on how to uh, go back to ride the bike for uh, those customers that have been uh, 
Uh, and of course, I do all of the assistance in terms of whatever questions they have. So I do not rely 100% on the shops. But yeah, this is really important for them to be able to go back riding on a bike that they feel comfortable, they feel safe on it. Uh, it's ergonomic for them. It's not They're not cramped on it. They feel safe when they, they go down a hill and the bike is tracking. It's really staying good and it's not like wobbling like uh, any other uh, bike where they will be on top of the bike and not inside the bike. Well, all those things make them happy to be back riding. And I believe the electric is going to be an even more appealing aspect of going back to ride bikes for them and for the general population too. Because I have the feeling that the U.S. is finally catching up on what we were doing in Europe, which is having a bicycle to finally... Sorry, I'm, I'm French. I can say that. <laughs> no, you're right, though. I mean, in Europe, cycling is just so much better in so many different ways. You know, there's uh, more paths for cycling. Cities are friendlier for cycling. Here, cyclists are seen like, oh, get off the road, go ride on a trail somewhere. So it's a mindset thing that is taking a long time to change. And it, we still have a long ways to go. But obviously, I'm born and raised in the U.S. and been here my whole life. But I, I still agree with you on that. I don't think one way is better than the other, but it is really like taking the bike for what it is, which is a tool that is extremely interesting, cheap, in a way, cheaper than cars. And it's way better to go to the bar, to go to grab drinks with friends or do some grocery shopping. Even though, I mean, even in France, we have also like the car culture that is typical to uh, America. But uh, maybe in a in slightly less predominant culture. But, of course, French people are, are driving their cars everywhere and there's traffic jams everywhere. And uh, in Europe, they're building more malls than they should. And that is not something that I, I'm happy to see. But we still have this culture of taking the bike anytime to maybe just grab a drink with friends or visit your neighbor or just like go to breathe and then be able to get out again during this pandemic uh, in Europe. There were like a lot of period of time where people were confined inside the house and uh, the only official load time outside was for exercising. So if you couldn't run. Yeah. So you go ride your bike. <laughs> exactly. And I think like in a way, you know, this pandemic like totally and, and I'm not the the first one who's going to tell you and the only one who's going to tell you that, that the pandemic totally, totally boosted the bicycle sales and the bicycle being back in the mind of people, you know, like, hey, yes, I have this old bike in my garage and this is the time I dust it off and I take it out for a spin. So definitely, I think that pandemic helped a lot. Well, that's great. I, I'm just happy to hear that because of what you've done with these unique bikes, you're getting a group of people back on bikes and outside exercising again, having fun again, that otherwise weren't able to. And yeah, you're, you're definitely going to see the same thing with e-bikes. I think the thing I'm most excited about with what you've said so far is that there might be a dirty sixer that's in my size. <laughs> so I'm on the short end. I don't know if you call that like the extra, extra, extra small, but hey, uh, there, there might be one I could actually write. So yeah, I mean, and to, and to go back to your initial question about trying and testing electric bikes. 
I've been curious about electric bikes, of course, for a long time because before starting uh, the restriction bikes, I was a journalist, I was a writer and a photographer for men, car, motorcycle magazines. So I've been riding motorcycles a lot and I've been one of the first French journalists in the US to cover Tesla and all of the electric motorcycles startups that came out in San Francisco, in Oregon. So I've been interested by the electric way of making vehicles. And I'm not even talking about uh, remote control cars when I was a kid, but they were electric too, of course. But I've been interested and I've been testing a lot of things, kit, mid-drive kits. A lot of customers actually had their their 36er modified to put an electric motor in the bottom bracket. So there's a couple of years of me (laughs) testing those different solutions. And I'm I'm really happy that uh, now the new line that uh, should come up, and I've been promising this for a while to a lot of my customers, and uh, I'm, maybe I'm going to be a, uh, it's time for me to apologize for all of these delays. But it is true that we've been having this pandemic. A lot of things got put on the back burner. So there's a fully integrated electric assist, the restrictor that is coming up in the new line. And it's going to be really nice and smooth. And for all of the big wheels and big tubing and big proportions that we have on the bike, it is actually a very nice looking electric 36er bike because you can barely see the motor and the battery. It blends really well in the frame. I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, the bike is so big, the motor has to look smaller. (laughs) So it's easier to hide everything. That's funny. Absolutely. It's been a lot of testing, a lot of back and forth. I mean, you know uh, that the bike industry is now under like a huge, huge... uh, (laughs) Backlog. (laughs) Yeah, definitely a backlog. It is extremely difficult for us to anyway continue testing and prepare the campaign because I'm actually going to be doing uh, offering those uh, bikes during a a crowdfunding campaign. So there's going to be a big discount on those new 36er bikes. So we're preparing all that for months. And I know I promised that to my customers for at least a year, if not more. Uh, so there has been like huge delays on our side, but we're in the middle of a huge backlog in the bike industry. And it's extremely difficult to just have like replacement speed sensor cables something that should be available in any store, if in any bike shop, but this is the kind of part that makes six months to arrive. So um, it is extremely difficult right now. Uh, we're working on it. We're actually shifting gears, if I may use that metaphor. You may. <laughs> different providers. <laughs> yeah. So different providers. We've been testing two, three different brands. I'm talking about the motor, the electric motor providers. So things are moving. And we're trying to find the best components, the most reliable ones, but also the most available ones. Because it's not just good enough to be the best motor or having the best battery if you cannot have spare parts. Right. And that is definitely a challenge right now. I would love to have the best possible brakes on every e-bike that I sell. But the one of the brake models we've been using, I mean, their their lead time is two years out now. So it's it's just not an option. So I have to change to something else on certain bikes for a while <laughs> or maybe permanently. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand fully where you're coming from is uh, 
you know, you have this quality bike you want to build, uh, but you got to figure out, okay, well, what quality parts can I even get? And when can I get them? And that's tough. Absolutely. Yeah. Difficult times. So you're going to launch a crowdfunding campaign. So basically, is it just kind of in a, not a holding pattern because you're working on things, but as soon as you have everything lined up and you know which suppliers you're going to use and when you can get everything, is, is that when you're going to go ahead and launch this new series of bikes? Absolutely. Yeah. So we've been working, I'm saying we, uh, because now I'm not by myself. I have a, a small team that is helping me now to create this uh, crowdfunding campaign. So we're going to be presenting normally three new models uh, in this uh, crowdfunding campaign, knowing that each model will come with five frame size. Like I said, uh, we're going to start with 5.8 and go up to 7.6. That's a huge range of size. That's going to be the offer on normally on the three models. And to resume to, and without not saying too much, but uh, the information is out. I mean, we've been sending surveys to our uh, potential customers and uh, we've been doing a lot of market research and all that. So the three models will be a more affordable one. If I can say that it's going to be what we call the entry level uh, 36er. It's going to be around three grand. So uh, more or less $3,000 for a complete 36er bike. That is going to be the human powered or the acoustic, like we say sometimes, <laughs> version. It should have an internal gear hub in the back, proportional cranks, big disc brakes. Everything's going to be made solid, robust for anyone that wasn't able to put six or seven grand in the previous 36er bike lines that we were making. So that's going to be the first one. The entry level, the more affordable 36er bike around three grand. Then is going to be the fully integrated electric uh, assist version. That is going to be a category three, nice integrated motor. Same thing. The frame is going to be uh, made uh, to uh, to last normally a lifetime. If uh, of course, if you're not trying to replicate uh, Danny McCaskill uh, stunts. <laughs> Great videos. <laughs> and uh, and all those bikes would, <laughs> yeah, love him, of course. Uh, and all of those bikes will be the all-road version. So in the 36er lineup, I used to have three versions. And this new lineup is just the all-road. So that's what we would say. It's like a trekking bike. I mean, it's it's basically a karting monkey. You could call it a rigid mountain bike. It's a solid bike that you can take on light trails, fire roads. You can take it touring. You can take commuting to work, if you're still commuting to work, stuff like that. So it's a rigid bike that I call the all-road uh, and the mountain bike version that I used to make that is sold out for a while now, as well as the all-road. Uh, this mountain bike might come up later, and that that's going to be a, a lot more different thing. But and I haven't experienced this for myself, but I know some are thinking, oh, a rigid bike, no suspension. You know, just keep in mind that it has 36-inch wheels. <laughs> so the bumps and things in the road, it's going to roll over those much easier than a smaller wheel. So I, I think the need for that, in my opinion, like I said, not having experienced the 36-inch wheel has to be less, that you don't need the suspension as much. Exactly. Even the mountain bike version that I used to make, which was a hardtail, 
the inverted fork that I was using, we reduced the travel to 18 millimeters, and that was plenty enough. When you have this big, you know, the angle of attack of the tire is so much lower than a 29 and, of course, 27 or 26. So you just soak up all of the bumps, all of the um, rocks and roots. Those have much less impact in your wrists and in your saddle than uh, if you were on another bike. Of course, the fat bike is a different one, different story, because you can run run those tires at a very low uh, pressure. Uh, so it's also a different story. But yeah, the, the big wheels, this is one of the big advantage of the, the wheels is that they really soak it. They make everything smoother than if you were on a regular 29er. Maybe not a 29 plus because again, now we have 29 plus, which is like pretty cool. And I love the, love the big tires. It is a much more comfortable ride thanks to those big wheels and thanks to eventually the, all of the parts that you can add to a bike, which is like a suspension seat post that I think should be mandatory on all bikes. But that's a personal opinion. So for the three bikes, uh, and I'm backtracking a little bit here, but I just want to clarify. So you've got the basically the new affordable version. So you're getting the cost down. And then you have the all-road is going to be a separate model or the, or the affordable one's going to be like the all-road. Oh, yeah. They are all, all the new bikes are going to be only all-road. Okay. They'll all be like that. Yeah, there's no mountain bike so far. The mountain bike version, I will work on it later because I have some uh, other different ideas to make it work. That's going to be a totally separate development, and that that is not going to happen anytime before 2022 or 2023. Okay. And the e-bike version is something you're going to try and launch with this, though? Absolutely. So the crowdfunding campaign is going to be for those three all-road models, the affordable one, the electric one, and the third one, I was uh, also trying to backtrack to that. The third one is actually going to be a full titanium. So that's going to be very interesting because my very first prototype was actually titanium. The very first 32-inch wheel prototype that I welded myself was titanium. And actually, uh, for those who want to just go back into my Instagram feed or Facebook page, I did a UBI school in Ashland, Oregon, and uh, I welded myself the titanium prototype in 32-inch wheels, not the 36-inch wheels. But yeah, titanium is definitely uh, something I wanted to go back because not that I'm the first one to make a titanium 36-inch wheel. There's a black sheep that has been doing a titanium 36-inch wheels. I love to give credit to all the people that helped me during all of those years, I mean, I started in 2013. Well, to design, that was like 2012, and then fabrication of the prototypes, 2013. But I've been getting a tremendous amount of help from people that were making 36-inch bikes before me. Because I'm like that, I like to give credit to the people that helped me. Uh, Black Sheep has been helping me. Back in the days, he had an employee called, named Todd. Todd was helping me a lot. Uh, Brian Keener was a genius fabricator that makes a lot of weird things. He's not into the bicycle industry at all, but he's been helping me a lot. Walt from Waltworks, who has been doing 36-inch wheels way before I did, also helped me a lot. So again, I am not. Uh, I didn't invent anything. I just uh, made it proportionate and uh, 
and got lucky enough to uh, to get um, big guys and uh, and the NBA uh, looking uh, in the right direction at that at that moment. So yeah, titanium. This is really exciting because uh, there's a good chance it's also going to have carbon fiber rims. So that's going to be like a really interesting for all the people that were complaining about the weight of the bikes. <laughs> I think they're going to have a, they're going to be able to finally get maybe the one of the lightest titanium 36 inch wheels that one can buy. It's something that will be very expensive and that's where maybe people are going to be uh, shocked but it is very expensive to make those bikes and if i can make a more affordable version and an electric version in addition to that the titanium version is going to be like a very limited production it is going to be very expensive to make but if i can make it it will be fun to have a that version available too awesome well, thank you for sharing all of this information and, and being on the podcast. We've gone through a lot of different stuff today. It sounds like this will probably be a good to follow up on maybe in the future at some point when this uh, campaign is about to launch and things are ready to roll. Because I'm excited to kind of start seeing photos and different things of these bikes coming out when you get a little bit closer, which I know is coming soon. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I'm sure you're working on this constantly to get this to happen. So yeah, we're we're working with a with a marketing agency to uh, to get everything lined up, and uh, we'll uh, we'll normally be able to give some news in a couple of weeks. I hope not more than a month uh, about the launch of the of the crowdfunding campaign, and then we'll see how many uh, how many people are interested in riding uh, the big thirty uh, six inch wheels and feel like a kid again, or just like having the same bike as Shaq or or LeBron, or Kevin Duran, or Rudy Gobert, or Rick Smith, all of those guys that are enjoying the, the big bikes. So yeah, they're going to be soon available for more people. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Again, if people want to find out more about your bikes or get on your email list or anything so they know when these are coming out, where should they go? So the website is simply dirtysixer.com. And if you Anyway, if you put on in Google 36-inch bikes or 36-inch wheels and and bicycle or 36-inch wheels and shack or whatever um, keywords, uh, you'll you'll end up on the 36-inch website, and you have all of the social media uh, links to that. The Instagram account and the and the Facebook account is there too. Awesome. Well, sounds great. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate your time and. Uh... I think, like I said, I think we should do a, a follow-up on these uh, at a later point in time because I'm excited to see where this goes for you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kai. And thank you to everybody listening to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed that information about Dirty Sixer bikes and large wheels, what they can do for you, but very unique bikes uh, designed for tall people, for heavier weights. There's there's a lot of interesting things, I think, that could happen uh, with his brand and, and very high quality bikes. I mean, I know that there are cheaper bikes, of course. There are also more expensive bikes. <laughs> so there's a whole range, but he's kind of right in the middle there. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with those. I'm hoping one of these days I can get my hands on one of those and, and ride it around so I can give you some firsthand experience. But like any bike, it looks like a ton of fun. Uh, once again, if you're new to the podcast, make sure to go to ebikepodcast.com 
if you'd like to sign up for our newsletter so you know when new episodes come out. Once again, that is ebikepodcast.com. And I, again, am Kyle Chittock, owner of Bolton E-Bikes, and we are signing off for another episode of the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. Bye.